0: And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 133 of The Drop Set. Darren Starr here. I'm coming at you the first podcast in August, August 5th, 2019 it is. Taz is on the floor here next to me saying, dude, why are you yelling, man? I'm trying to sleep over here. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm really sorry, but I'm enthused. What can I say? Come here. It's okay. This little guy, so he is not allowed on the bed. Come here, Taz. Oh, He's like, oh, God, I can't believe you're telling this story. He is not allowed on the bed. And so today is the first day of school for my wife going back. So it was a whole different morning routine and everything. So she's up earlier than normal. I'm up. Well, I took him out for a walk earlier. Uh, you know, life is good. Everything's getting along just fine. And I'm in the uh, in the dining room. Um, which, you know, I can see the bedroom from there, but I can't really see in it. Um, My wife is in the bathroom off the main bedroom. And uh, so I'm finishing eating, and I walk over to the kitchen, and then I can kind of, as I walk, I can get a sight line into the bedroom, and there he is, totally brazen, just chilling like a boss on the bed. And I'm like, dude, and I didn't say anything, because I wanted to see if I could walk over there and see if he would just stay in place, knowing full well that he's not supposed to be up there. And as I got closer to the bedroom, he hopped down, and, you know, uh, he immediately felt bad, like, you know, ears down, submissive posture. Uh, I mean, he's really kind of hilarious. He's a very conscientious little dog, but um, nonetheless, that does not keep him from misbehaving. Uh, As far as the skunk update on him, he no longer smells like a festering butthole. He just smells a little bit like skunk, which is, you know, to say... Not pleasant, but tolerable. So that's um, uh, mostly improved at this point, and yeah, I can still I, my sense of strong um, sense of smell is not that great. So um, most of the time, I don't notice him. But I'm just like sitting around here, you know, on my computer. And he'll walk up and be like, "Who, buddy. Okay. Yep. I smell you. I smell you. It's not awful or anything, but you're aware of it. I was a little concerned because when I took him outside this morning, it was still dark in the backyard. Really smelled like skunk. Like something happened out there last night. It was like, Oh God, it's not still around. Is it? So. Uh, but no, it was not. Um, anyway, there's the Taz update for the week. So um, summer is now officially over, as far as the schedule is concerned, which means the uh, the podcast should resume its usual two times a week Monday and Friday kind of schedule. Uh, you know. Vacations and trips notwithstanding, of which there is currently nothing planned. I do intend to go back to Oregon again pretty soon. Um been talking with mom and dad. Just floated the idea I'll go and visit them again before too long. Uh we are we're still thinking about like a, a day trip out to Nashville, which, you know, for us is only like two and a half hours, but still it's like uh it's an event, you know. I mean we we're homebodies. We like to stay home. <laughs> so a trip You know, the other thing about Nashville is like, oh, God, it's a whole time zone away. Oh, my God, we go from Eastern time to Central time as we drive over to Nashville. Oh, God. Um, There's an art exhibit over there that my wife wants to see. Uh, So we, we might go do that sometime in the next couple weekends here. I don't know. Um, and then we're going to New York for a quick weekend in December um, to go see uh, one of her favorite singers, actually, who will be there in New York at a very, very tiny little club for which we got amazing seats, which would be awesome. There's only going to be like 30 people in the whole place, which would be fun. So anyway, that's what's going on here. Some, summer is uh, summer's here, and the time is right for dancing in the streets. Uh, yes, there's your music quote for the day. So, yeah. Um, I got a couple of voicemails that I want to go over. I don't really have a whole lot that I want to talk about here, and I know that's where people say, "Oh God, all right, tune in out later, Darren." It's been fun, but uh, I don't need to sit around here and listen to you, Babylon, for forty-eight minutes about you know your toenails or whatever. So uh, I promise we won't get that deep into the weeds um i 'll save all the personal updates and stuff like that. I want to talk a little bit more um I, I started the t v update last week. I have a little bit more to cover there. I also want to talk about some music, um which will be worthwhile here so let's uh, let 's jump right into it i got a couple of voicemails here, so let me grab the first one and drop it in and see what we got.
1: Hey, Darren. It is Tasha from Texas. I had two questions and one comment. I was thinking about asking um on our next check in, but I heard that you needed some stuff for voicemail so I thought I'd send it in. You're damn right. Uh the first one is is if you can explain conditioning uh as it's defined in for the judging standards for shows, that'd be great. Uh-huh. Um, the second one is if you can explain the different mechanics between a belt squat and a barbell squat they pretty much seem the same but obviously the way that you carry the weight is differently so i'm just curious about how how and if the mechanics are different Uh and then the third is a a comment regarding the shows or tv you totally have to watch the boys Mm. uh it's on amazon prime and it's a very very good show roland and i Completely binged it probably within a couple of days. So hope all is well. Thank you.
0: Sweet. So um, the boys, so my wife had heard about that, and we watched the trailer for it. And I've heard other people on Facebook talking about it. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I want to like that, but holy hell, that looks dumb. Um, Like, I don't know, it might be a good thing to really, like, totally veg out on, which... Um, it is good periodically, but I I would have a hard time sitting through 10 episodes like that, unless you can convince me otherwise, if it's not like that, but it looks like the kind of thing where, you know, you could get high or a little tipsy and watching it would probably be more entertaining. It looked like that. I don't know. That's just the, the gist of it that I got from the preview, um, or from the trailer. If I'm wrong, let me know. Otherwise... Uh, It's going to be down on the list a little bit probably. Um, As to the the more um, relevant questions at hand, so explain conditioning as defined by judging standards. So conditioning is a synonym for leanness. That's all it is. You know, the more conditioned you are, the less body fat that you have. Why do they call it conditioning? I don't know. I think it's because leanness sounds like a stupid word. Um conditioning makes it sound more technical. It's the same thing um now there there are levels to that that can be described by different words um. Like you can talk about being conditioned to the point where you are grainy, which has to do with the muscle quality that shows through. And it's impossible to be grainy unless you are really, really lean. So that's probably, I think it's probably a continuum, a very linear continuum. And that is towards the end of it on the lean side of things. Then you start getting into things like fullness, um, density, hardness. Those are all, um, Thing, things that you can visually perceive based on the quality of the muscle, um, and, and how how full it is, like in a terms in terms of like glycogen depletion or fullness, um, you know how much pop does it have? How do and some of that you can't tell from a photo. Also, like you really need to see it. Like how does it pop when it flexes? Um, th- those are things where. When you're looking at photos, they don't necessarily tell the whole story. Even professional photos will miss these things, and I, I try to tell this people to people in progress photos all the time. Um, you know what you're capturing in a photograph is an instant in time. Um, and the the variable there is light and shadow is actually uh, is also being captured at that instant in time, but light and shadow are far more valuable when things are in motion um, as far as being able to determine something 's topographic features like you know the the ins and outs, the bumps the ridges, etc, which are all things that we want to see i mean that 's what separation between muscles is is you know basically bumps and ridges on the body and so when your light is in a fixed position for a single instant of a frame, um, the shadows that are cast are also just captured in a very instant there. It's very easy to lose a lot of that detail. Whereas you see something moving, you can see how the shadow moves on that surface. Um, you can learn a lot more about that. So um, photos on stage don't necessarily tell the whole picture. They'll tell you part of the story for sure, but not the whole thing. Um But conditioning is just leanness. That's all it is. Um, Difference in mechanics between a belt and barbell squat. So this is kind of funny because I'm doing a few different um, manners of squat in my current training program, which I'll talk about more um, towards the end or a little bit later on. I've got some things to say on that front. I think my coach might be trying to kill me. Um, I know. I'm getting a lot of sympathy from other people out there like, oh, really? Really? Okay. Yeah, well, we're really sorry, Darren. Yeah, so sorry. Tell us more about how much you're struggling and suffering. I get it. Uh, So the belt squat and the barbell squat, if you're not familiar with a belt squat, it's like this. Basically, it's this large machine with a platform that you stand on, and there is a cable that comes up through a hole in the middle of the platform. Um, that you're standing on and attached to that cable will be a little clip and then you can attach a belt to uh, one end of a belt to that you wrap the belt around you and then you clip the other end into that same clip Um, and then typically you will need to you'll, you'll do that while you're squatting down a little bit you'll stand all the way up there's usually a catch or a mechanism that you can release so the machine then has full range of motion you can take it nice and deep come all the way up So um, the the obvious thing there is that everything is loaded at the hips instead of at the top of your thoracic spine or at, at your cervical spine. So it makes your back angle largely irrelevant. So the several angles come into play um, with, with squats. And that is your knee angle, which at the top is going to be 180 degrees if you're fully extended. And then down at the bottom, you know, if you hit parallel, your knee angle is going to be probably a little bit greater than 90 degrees. Um, just because you're f- you leaning forward a little bit. Um, so, and and you can get that to, a, a, I'm sorry, a little less than 90 degrees. It's going to be an acute angle at that point. You got to get those details right. My, uh, my, my engineering, uh, my engineering instructors would be cringing otherwise so uh knee angle hip angle so how much is like um think about it like this your hip angle is like standing upright it's uh fully extended uh, at 180 degrees, and when you sit down, you know how you you flex at the hips and your knees come up uh, so that they're then parallel to the ground. Your your femur is parallel to the ground when you're sitting. Now you're at a flexed hip position at about 90 degrees. So your that's your hip angle. Um, that hip angle is going to vary as you squat as well. Um, and then you've also got your back angle, which is related to your hip angle, but it's how far forward your back is leaning during a squat as well. So in this case, your back angle becomes largely irrelevant. It's very important with a barbell squat because... Uh, that determines a lot about how things are loaded. Um, so typically the bar is going to be at your center of gravity if it's in front of your center of gravity you're going to lean forward if it's behind your center of gravity you're going to be risk falling back so um, the bar path on a barbell squat should be pretty much vertical so your center of gravity is consistent throughout and it doesn't shift forward and backward as you go up and down that's an idealized squat most people are going to get a little bit of variance and that is fine. Um, you can do it in a Smith machine if you want to really experience what it's like to have no shift in there, assuming that your Smith machine is one that's totally vertical and not a seven and a half degree angle like a lot of them are, which is stupid. Um, so the, the all of those angles matter a lot in a, a barbell squat, simply because uh, your, your, your balance depends on it. Barbell squat, so a back squat compared to a front squat, for example, you're going to have a, a less sharp, hip and back angle on a front squat, ideally because your torso is gonna to be a little bit more upright. We're ignoring for right now what has to happen with your wrist and arms, but just looking at hip and back mechanics, um, you're going to be a, they're gonna be a, a little less sharp of an angle there. So um, your, your shoulders are gonna sit back a little bit more because once again, the place where the bar is um, loaded on your body has shifted your center of gravity a little bit. So uh, you need to really adjust the the ratios of how things are bent in your body at max depth in order to stay upright. Um, a really good book on this is starting strength by Mark Rippetoe, Um, and he goes into, I mean, he really breaks down. I think There's about 80 pages dedicated to the squat in that book. Um, just about squat mechanics, why it works, variations and how to improve it. And he has a lot of drawings with vector diagrams in there that show and really talk about knee, hip and back angles, which is really cool to watch. So, Um, with belt squat just because of how it's loaded at the hips your back angle becomes largely irrelevant and you can really play around with um, your stance a lot more and how your weight is shifted forward and back Um, and also you have the freedom of having your hands totally free so that then you can support yourself on something if necessary so um, for me when I squat I mean just with whether my program is constructed I am looking to really throw it into the quads so I'm like pushing forward a little bit like i'm really bringing my knees forward i am um you know re- really all, not really well you you could think of it like a sissy squat where on a sissy squat like if you're doing a traditional one not on a sissy squat apparatus but just in free space Uh, if you look at the old traditional movements where you're like holding onto something and leaning back and you come up on your toes that's a a very exaggerated way of how I handle a belt squat when I'm trying to do quad emphasis so my heels aren't going to lift up but everything is definitely shifted forward towards the balls of my feet Um, my knees come forward my hips stay how would I characterize that here let me think about it hold on I need to stand up and play this out yeah, we're getting some live interaction. I'm squatting live on the podcast right now. So, right here. Yeah, so really, my what really changes for me is my knee angle shifts a whole bunch. My hip angle doesn't really change too much when I'm doing a front squat, so, or when I'm doing a belt squat. And again, that just has to do with how it's loaded. Now, you can absolutely still treat that squat, uh, a belt squat, as though it's done with a barbell and, you know, still play around with your um, – mechanics trying to keep them as similar as possible just keep in mind you know where where that um where that weight is pulling on you you know where your center of gravity is because wherever you're clipped in becomes your center of gravity Uh, now you can walk forward or backwards relative to where that thing is coming out of the platform on the belt squat machine um to shift your center of gravity there a little bit so um one thing about the belt squat as well, this depends a lot on the belt that they have there, but it can get really uncomfortable. Like You're thinking like, oh, God, it feels good not to have a bar on your back. Yeah, but now you've got this belt rubbing against the inner part of your legs and can cause some chafing. Kind of uncomfortable. So... um not a bad idea to wear like an extra layer. Um, and what I will do is oftentimes like when it gets really heavy, um, I, I like to use a hand and, and hold on to something like a piece of the machine in front of me just to kind of brace myself a little bit, not to like pull myself up, but just to help, you know, maintain my, my balance and make sure that my, if I'm altering my center of gravity a little bit, just to make sure that um, I, I'm not going too far forward or falling too far back deep into it or anything like that. I'll often put one hand on whatever I'm supporting myself with and I'll put another hand around the belt and just kind of pull it away from my legs a little bit just so that it chafes a little bit less. Uh, You could totally just suck it up and deal with it, but at the same time, it's like, eh, but, yeah, but it's really uncomfortable at the same time. So, um Anyway, I, I know that belt squats are fairly uncommon. I know Tasha has one in her gym. I've got one in mine as well. Uh, not a, a common piece of equipment. But nonetheless, if you do have one and you don't check it out, you're doing yourself a disservice just because it's very different. It's worth looking into. Another thing um, that we have uh, in our gym is a uh, a safety squat bar. And this is a bar where... It, it It's very strange I mean, it, it's it's highly padded around the neck and shoulders for one reason, so you might think about mo eh, yeah, but what it is it it's a way to um based on how the bar is loaded and how it sits on you um it sits on your back, but the mechanics then become very similar to a front squat, so this is a barbell that actually has handles that come over your shoulders that you'll hold on to um, I'm trying to think is there a uh I find an image of this somewhere yeah if you just google safety squat bar and go to images um, you'll see exactly what I mean so um, the other question is how much does this weigh I was kind of wondering about that Uh, (laughs) just because I had to uh, log it and my book is just loaded weight but uh, I think it's definitely this rogue one So this bar weighs 70 pounds. Yeah, not a 45-pound bar. So keep that in mind if you're using a safety squat bar. Um, But you can see the bar is bent, um, meaning that when it's on your back, the weights are going to be shifted forward. It looks like about four to five inches instead of being, you know, if it was a straight bar, where they would be, now move those plates about four to five inches forward. Just by design of the bar, they're going to be sitting forward a little bit. The mechanics become a lot more similar to a front squat. So while this bar has handles that you can grab onto, um, what you will also find is that if you don't, the bar will still just kind of stay in place where it is. Um, It's very well balanced. It's very interesting. I did this this last week because I have front squats in my program but because it's East Tennessee and the gym likes to keep things warmer, I guess, they don't want to keep the AC running all the time. So it's it's kind of hot in the gym. I was sweating like crazy because, you know, also working out and stuff. Uh, and uh, the bar was just sliding off my shoulders. Like I, I could not hold it in position. I can't do the traditional front squat thing. I don't have 10% of the wrist flexibility needed to pull off that uh, that movement. Um, so I'm doing it with lifting straps and it stays, it, it's always worked well in the past, but just in summer, uh, part of it is also I'm coming to it. And it's like the third movement in the workout. So I'm already kind of gassed. I'm already a little bit drenched, um, instead of opening with the movement. And so, you know, I got sweat everywhere and the bar just does not want to stay on my shoulders. <laughs> it's a giant pain in the ass. It totally sucks. So, um, yeah, some adjustments had to be made, but I use a safety squat bar and it, it totally fixed that. So um, that uh, good questions, good questions though, So let's see what else we got. I know we got one more message here. I want to get to that real quick too.
1: Hey, Darren, this is Nicole in Spokane. I had a question for you about cardio and timing. I've heard conflicting things. So is it better to do cardio immediately after you do weights, before you do weights on different days? Does it matter if you're using the same muscles? Do you need more time to recover? How does that work? Thanks so much. Bye.
0: All right. Thanks, Nicole. Nicole, I happen to know, has been a longtime listener, but is just now calling in because, you know why? Because she's awesome and she's not scared. And I know a lot of people are for some reason. And I'm telling you, I am lazy. I, I don't know. I mean, we're on episode 133 right now. That's a lot of ground to cover. One thing that I have covered many, many times is that I am really, really lazy. And what I'm trying to do is get y'all to program this podcast for me basically by calling in, because the other thing is, I mean, tell me what's on your mind, because what's on your mind is on other people's mind as well. And I would like to know if it's, Hey Darren, talk a little bit about the, um, Oh God, whatever the hell pro show just happened. Was it Tampa pro I, Jesus? I, I don't even know what show it was. Talk about that. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, people care. So I should probably look into it and offer some opinions. So, you know, it's not something that I would follow, but still, doing what I do, I might have some different insight than uh, maybe it's worth listening to. Maybe it's not. That's entirely possible as well. i like, okay, well, Darren just gave us his breakdown on the Tampa Pro. What does that teach us? It teaches us never to ask Darren about a pro show ever again because he's clearly an idiot. So you never know until you try. But point being, um, help me out here. Help me program this show. So once again, 865-518-2974. What happens when you call that number? That is the big question. So... um What often happens is, uh, because a lot of times these come in at night, and my computer will start making this noise, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, and my wife's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, oh, that's somebody calling into the podcast. She's like, okay, you're weird okay. <laughs> She's like, they realize it's not like a live radio show, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, but they call in a message. So, um, anyway, and that, that's if I forget to mute the speakers on my computer. Uh, so anyway, it's, it's over here, it's making noise and then, uh, that's it. Nothing else gets heard. You know, you go to my Google voicemail box and then you're greeted by my lovely voice, which you are totally sick of. I'm sure saying, Hey everybody, I'm like really enthusiastic because I'm like, I want to record a voicemail, uh, greeting message that sounds really professional. So I'm like really in my radio voice. Uh, it's hilarious actually. Um, unintentionally hilarious, but nonetheless hilarious. Uh, and then uh, it says, Hey, leave your message. It says, try and keep it 20 seconds or so. Don't keep it to 20 seconds. You don't have to do that, but try not to ramble on for 10 minutes. Uh, it will cut you off eventually. Just understand that there is a cutoff and you've heard that before. If you've, if you've been listening to this long enough, you've heard people gotten cut off before. Uh, and then you leave your message and then I grab. So, I mean, there's no human interaction or anything like that. It, it's just like calling in and speaking to a tape recorder. So, 865-518-2974. Be brave like Nicole. Call in. So, cardio timing. Great question. I actually had a uh, a similar question come in from uh Cheryl a client of mine over the weekend as well so I'll, I'll touch on this with with her thoughts as well because she's kind of an exception to what I would normally consider to be my standard thinking here so uh the the best time to do cardio is on an empty stomach and that meaning you know as empty as you can make it that does not mean it has to be fasted in the morning although if you can do that great if you can't do that i would question you and say no you can it's just how big of a pain in the ass is it and oftentimes it will be worth it if somebody is doing show prep and they say, I really, really want to come in as lean as I possibly can. What do I have to do? And I say, well, let's start with some fasted cardio. Oh, you know what? I can't really do that. I'm like, okay, we need to have a conversation then. Because if you can't f- fudge your schedule around to make that work, we're going to have some issues here. Because I'm going to ask you for stuff down the road. And if we're just getting started with this and I'm getting a hard no right off the bat, that's a cause for concern. So um, there are ways to make it work always, I don't care what the circumstance circumstances, um, you absolutely can do it. So that being said, it is, I think, a little bit more effective. And it's also just nice to get it done first thing in the morning. Um, cardio is something that should be done on an empty stomach um, whenever possible. Lifting is something that should never be done on an empty stomach. So keep in mind that distinction as well. Um, so that, that in and of itself should if you kind of game it through answer everything else as well. So, um do you want to do cardio before working out? No, cuz you have a pre-workout meal and now boom, you've got all this stuff on your stomach that you want to use for working out and uh, instead you're going to burn cardio for 30 45 minutes and then your stomach's going to be emptier when you go to lift. Well, that's no good. Um or at least that is to say it's suboptimal. Now, cardio is effective regardless of when you do it. It's just a question of when is it most effective? Uh, and it's most effective when you're burning through an empty stomach. So another option would be post-workout cardio because you have your meal and then you wait for a little while and then you go ahead and have have a lift for an hour to an hour and a half. Well, at that point, your stomach is pretty close to empty again because it's time to eat again. So instead, let's bang out a little cardio and then eat. So post-workout cardio is good. Fasted cardio is great. Pre-workout cardio is far less ideal. Um... What is really good is, and this is unrelated to the whole empty stomach theory, but still good nonetheless, is doing it at some other time. I always tell people, Here, let, let's talk about what is absolutely perfect and ideal, um, and then we can figure out where you can meet this in the middle. So let's say you are at a point where you have to hit cardio twice a day and lift, okay? Fasted cardio. Go about your day, get a few meals in you lift around noon. Post workout meal, get another one or two in you. Fasted cardio in the evening just before a meal like b- before dinner. Um preferably following a long break prior a uh, long break since your previous meal before then. That would be ideal because then you've hit you've hit your goal of two cardio sessions and a lift. Um, You've done uh, everything on full or empty stomach as is appropriate and ideal. And you've broken everything up into separate events. Now, that's also a three-shower day. That could be a giant pain in the ass and totally undoable for some people. I get it. That is why I will never tell people you got to do that. But I will say, if you can, that is ideal because you're really optimizing everything there. Um, But bodybuilding isn't often about finding the optimal. It's about knowing the optimal and then figuring out, where that meets the practical. So for a lot of people, if you've got if you're at a point where you've got to do cardio twice a day, um, then fasted cardio. And then sometime later in the day, whether it's morning, midday or evening, a lift followed by some post-workout cardio is ideal. It's still a big ask. I know that nobody's going to do that year round, but for a a good push on a pre-contest cut or just a a non pre-contest cut, I think that's reasonable to ask for. If you're just doing cardio once, separate it from your lift. What I don't want is if if we're just doing cardio once and a lift, don't do it all in one trip to the gym. You know, break it up a little bit. And the reason being, uh, the phenomenon known as post-exercise oxygen consumption, basically meaning you get a metabolic boost after you work out. Think of it as like you're in the uh, oh, you're in the bonus zone. basically trying to think of a good video game analogy here, but it's been so long since I've played a damn video game. I can't even think of one where it would be appropriate. Um, yeah, no, no, I don't know. Uh, I wanted to say, it's like when you get the star in Mario brothers, but that makes you invincible and this doesn't make you invincible. It's not that kind of thing at all. Um, but uh, you're, you're in the bonus, basically. So your your metabolic output, your your burn, your passive burn is greater as you're recovering from quote-unquote exercise, whether that's a lift or whether that's cardio. So if you're able to break things up and uh, experience that twice in a day instead of once, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That is not just like, oh, okay, that might be a little bit more optimal. That's a lot more optimal. And that that is worth breaking things up. Also then, Stop me if you've heard this before, if you've felt this before. You're in the gym, things are going fine, you're halfway through your workout, things are feeling good, and then you're like, "Ooh, I've still got another 30 minutes of this lift. Oh, and then I've got 40 minutes of cardio after that, and then everything goes downhill from there. Uh, Yeah, it's a long time to be in the gym. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, It is pretty rare that I will do cardio post-workout. I will always do it fasted, and if I've got to hit it twice, I'll hit some post-workout. But... Also, I try to hit everything hard so that the amount of time I spend half to, during a prep having to do post-workout cardio is less um, because it's a it's a big ask and a big interruption for me. I don't like doing cardio at the gym. I, I prefer to do it all at home, and it's just easier um, to do fasted cardio at home and then uh, try and avoid having to do post-workout cardio. Now, if it is necessary, I'll hit it at the gym for sure, um, but I prefer not to, definitely. So, um, great question though, Nicole, I appreciate that. And the, also I should talk, I mentioned Cheryl as well. So, um, I got a, a message from her yesterday say, uh, talking about evening, steady state cardio. And she she knows that I, I prefer it after a lift, but what does it really matter if it's before or after? And so she said, you know, she's trying to tweak, tweak her schedule. So she can get a little bit more sleep. Now she's at the tail end of her prep with about four weeks to go. And so her, her cardio is going up pretty high because her legs are being stubborn and we're trying to really get them to respond here. So um, uh, she said, um, what it's packed in the gym until about seven thirty in the evening for weights. So she was going to go after so doing cardio after, but she says, if I can get steady state in earlier then instead she'd be getting home at like 10 instead of much later than that and potentially putting on like another hour of sleep. And that's where I said, you know what? Yeah, it is more optimal to do it um, post-workout than pre, but Based on that, like if you can get through everything that much faster, um, and you know you can go earlier because you're you're basically doing your cardio while you're waiting for the crowd to dwindle, and then by the time your cardio is done, the gym is more manageable. Um, just because I I know how it is, like trying to go when it's packed, and you know, it's just like no, I'm gonna wait until it's not packed to go, um, which then makes your night a lot longer. So um, this is a good strategy, and I would say you know what, if if this is gonna get us extra sleep, I am okay with that actually. And so that I, I said, yeah, I, I'll totally grant an exception to the rule on that one, just because I, I think there's tremendous value in additional sleep. And I would rather have you um, get extra sleep than uh, optimize things in, in a way where, where I become happier <laughs> just because, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not nothing and it doesn't, it, it's not that it doesn't matter, but sleep matters a lot, especially at this phase and with how hard I'm pushing her on the rest of prep so i I'm, I'm okay to make a concession here and there It's not a big deal it's it's not now um, in most circumstances, I would say, yeah, if you can swing it, you should, but in this case it's a well rationed well thought out argument I get it so no no complaints there okay, so quick personal update from me, and then we'll uh we'll move on to uh, more entertaining things so um, things continue to go pretty well um, in my actual like Program um, that I'm following for for myself uh, through uh, guidance of my own coach. Thanks, Lainey. Appreciate it as always. Um, So things are going really well. I'm up around steadily around 240 ish right now. I made a post on Instagram the other day saying that this is the heaviest (laughs) I've been, but not the fattest. Which uh, and then uh, (laughs) Sally, a client of mine, she uh, she followed up. She's like, "That's exactly it. Yes, that's how I feel." Which is great. Anytime you can be your heaviest and not your fattest during a bulk is great. So things feel really good overall, um, except for my legs. My legs feel like they've been beat to ever loving shit because I've actually had like three or four really, really good leg workouts in a row. I was supposed to hit legs on Saturday, um, and I had tentative plans to um, have a client, Jesse, who's in Chattanooga, have him meet me at the gym on Sunday for a workout. We're going to hit chest and shoulders together. Saturday came and I'm like I I can't do legs. I got to do chest and shoulders today. So can you do legs tomorrow, buddy? And he's like, I just did legs today. Damn it. Okay. So we're gonna try and get together next week. So um, they're just they're feeling rough, rough. So I'm gonna go. I've got back and biceps today. I'm gonna go stretch the legs out for a little bit. Probably ice the knees um, when I get back, just because they're they're really really hating me. And I mean it's it's fine. It's nothing huge, but man, they're feeling some fatigue for sure, which is good because they're they're getting pushed and uh, I'm okay okay with it. I I sound, you know, I'm I'm now at a point where if I've been sitting in my chair, like right now, I've been sitting here for what, 35 minutes recording this. Um, when I get up from this chair, my goal is going to be to do it with as few expletives as possible, just because I stand up and I just want to cuss because everything hurts. Uh, so that, that's kind of where I'm at in life. That is my station in life right now. Uh, food wise, everything's going fine. Um, what did we have? We had a couple of things going on this last week. Um, so we had family staying here Saturday night into Sunday. And so it was my wife's sister and her family, her husband and uh, their two kids. And so, uh, we went out to the Cove, which is a little, uh, marina with like little boat rentals like kayaks and canoes and stuff which is nearby to us so we went out Saturday night and did uh did that and then I feel like I've talked about this before I did didn't I Did we do we yeah we did a podcast on Monday I talked about this then so never mind So anyway we did breakfast with them on on uh, we did dinner out Saturday breakfast on Sunday um which uh, both of those I'd say were probably caloric um appropriate if not macro appropriate but calorically they were about on point with where those meals would have normally been everything felt fine and then this last week Thursday um my brother-in-law we took him out to dinner for Italian and that again was calorically appropriate it's a great thing about being on a a growth phase right now is that uh it's kind of easy to eat out and as long as you just make reasonable decisions it's like well my dinner would normally be you know 600 calories this is that as well according to the menu so we're good to go you know and I'm not sweating the macros too much at this stage so and everything else has been on point you know a few days where the macros were a little bit off but the calories were off and One of the things that I always like to tell people is that during the off season, that is when you can get away with stuff like this. And it doesn't mean you're being super casual or relaxed or not putting in work. But what you're doing is you are building up capital with your loved ones and you are throwing them a bone and you're participating in events and you are being a normal person to some extent. So then when it comes time to cut again, you've got enough goodwill built up so that you can say, yeah, I'm going into a cave, a food cave, and I'm not coming out for 16 weeks. So um, this for me is all about building up that capital. So if my wife is like, hey, you want to go out for, yes, the answer is yes. What was it? Saturday we went out to uh, Lakeside Tavern, had a steak, potatoes, you know, again, a calorically appropriate dinner, a little off on macros, actually probably not too much. Pretty, pretty similar to what it would normally have been. So, you know, 10-ounce steak, a very modest serving of mashed potatoes, a little house salad to go with that. So, um, yeah, overall things are uh, are looking pretty good and feeling pretty good. And I can actually, like, say, like, I feel decent about where I'm at right now, which is really hard given, you know, the, uh, the conversations that we've had here before about body dysmorphia, which is definitely a, a real thing. But there's something... That's um largely it's very mental about breaking that two forty barrier when you see something like that. It's like I allow myself to see myself a little bit differently now, which is kind of interesting so uh it's always a learning process, always a learning process so things on the training and diet front are going really well um Taz is over here he is now transitioned to his bed he's getting a walk every morning, so he's happy um what else uh this weekend? What happened on Saturday? What happened on Saturday it was a weird day, actually. Yeah, I didn't really get a lot done on Saturday. I did a lot of, a lot of reading and some research, but didn't really accomplish much. Sunday, however, uh, was a day where I finally resumed work on a project that I started a long time back, and I made some really good headway on it. Um, that project involved, um, we have, uh, one of the things about this house that we got two years ago, um, and we knew this was kind of a weakness coming into it, is it doesn't have a coat closet. Like I'm a fan of a coat closet and this house doesn't have one. Um, so instead, what we knew is like you know we need a little drop zone by the front door, a place where we can hang coats, throw shoes, you know, put the dog leash, that kind of stuff. So um, it's been on my list of things to to build for some time, and uh, boy, I want to say, I don't know when it was, maybe around like January, February, something like that, I built the base for it, which is just a small little cabinet and it's at about bench height it's about three feet wide. It's about 11 inches deep. So it's just a little bench. It has feet. um, So it sits above the floor a little bit, meaning like you can vacuum under it. That's one of my wife's things. Like, you know, if something's not going to sit directly on the floor, it needs to be tall enough that I can stick a vacuum under it. She's very, very OCD about that. And given all the quirks that I have, I can appreciate that. So um it's it's and it's got a couple of uh little compartments in there for storage bins and we actually went and got the bins and I built the little base cabinet/bench slash to size for those so they're a perfect fit in there. And the, those are bins for like, you know, dog toys, dog accessories, shoes, that kind of thing. So um and then so that's been built and just kind of sitting there for a while, but the feet that I put on it, um, I put them in, in the wrong space, so when you push the thing all the way against the wall, the feet hit the baseboard molding before the actual bench service hits the wall. And I'm like, okay, well, at some point... I need to flip that thing over and move those feet. Well, at some point turned into five months down the road because it just happened yesterday. Um, so I moved the feet, got the thing pushed against the wall. And then we had a plan. Um, I had a plan to do basically what I did, um, downstairs here in the basement. I'm looking at it right now. It's by our basement door. So we have a basement drop zone as well for the door going out to the back. I'm basically building the exact same thing upstairs. Um, and so what it is, it's this kind of like gray weathered wood paneling that you can get at Home Depot. Um I mean it's basically like quarter inch plywood, but it's been um it, it looks like paneled hardwood, like old weathered aged wood. Um, and then build a frame around that. So I got the the panel attached to the wall. I built the frame around it, which involved getting everything cut to size, routing a channel in it, and then having it surround um the panel and have it all um uh, recessed and flush, so it looks perfect. and um, So that's done. And then the only thing left to do is there's going to be a shelf that goes high up on the paneling and then some coat hooks on a strip um, that will go above that as well. So um, it was kind of good to make some progress on that. Um, it looks very different now having that up on the wall. And also that panel has been in my garage sitting up uh, right next to where I park my car, so that every time I open the door, I hit it. Um, it's been sitting there for like six months. And so now it's gone. It's upstairs now. So it's where it needs to be. Thank God for that. So that was a big deal. And then the other thing I did this weekend was, um, was yesterday actually, was reorganize the band space in our basement right behind me down here. So um, the problem is, I've been collecting and acquiring more and more stuff. And there have never really been, like, defined areas within the band space. Like, this is the keyboard space. This is the guitar space. This is the amp space. This is the drum space. This is the vocalist space. Um, It's just kind of like, eh, we got this giant carpet. And as long as everything fits on the carpet, then it's all good. So I turned the drum kit around, which made all the difference in the world. And I have it facing out towards the rest of the room, which makes it easier to get into. And then it also creates so much space. Because what I really wanted to do, my goal with that, was to... I have this um, computer that's dedicated just for recording, for demo recording, um, and it's on a cart that I built with wheels. And so now um, I can roll that cart anywhere in the space and whatever it is I'm playing, if I'm on guitar, if I'm trying to record a drum track, if I'm on the keys, I can roll the cart to the instrument in, uh, in question and hit record and do my takes from there without having to, like, get up, walk over here, okay, walk back, oh, I didn't get back in time, my intro's over, okay, walk back, start it again, give myself another bar on the intro, no, it's all right there. So, uh, like, I would imagine in order to do a drum take for a song, if I wanted to do it all in one take, it would probably take somewhere around 15 to 20 attempts to get something that sounded passable. Um, And so now... If I'm cruising along and everything's going fine and then I screw up, I can just turn around, stop, wipe that track, rewind, hit record again in about three seconds and start a new take. So it's really easy there. And I can do that regardless of what instrument I'm on just because now there's space in the middle of the room and that computer cart can float around to wherever I have to sit. It's also really good for practice. Um, I've got a stand with, uh, that, uh, for my iPad that can go, um, either for the drum kit or by the guitar station so that, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm doing now online lessons for both drum and guitar. Um, so wherever I am, I can take that and have it at the ready for practice purposes as well. So everything just looks a lot more, well, it is a lot more functional. It looks a lot cleaner. It looks neater. Um, and I also put some crap away in a closet, which now, don't open that closet. Whatever you do, do not do not open that closet. That's the next step, is I need to pull everything out of there, build some shelving, and kind of get that thing a little bit more, a little less like something out of a horror movie, because right now it's pretty bad. Um so that's uh, that's where things are at personally. Um, I haven't done a lawn update in a while. There isn't much to talk about. I am biding my time until the weather starts to become a little bit more reasonable and then I can overseed for the fall. Um, we're not there yet. It's still too hot. Um, I, need, I need some overseeding in a bad way. I'm not ready to give up on the backyard yet, but um, I've definitely lost a little bit of grass over the summer, even though I've been watering it as best I can. It's still, we don't have a sprinkler system, so in order to water it, I have to go back out there and turn on the sprinkler and move it around, et cetera, and it happens more days than not, but at this point, if there's a day where we don't get rain and I don't water it, some grass is going to die just because it's too damn hot, so... Um, it's, tr- it's difficult to keep it alive. Um, so it'll be a lot easier, um, to overseed a lot more practical to overseed once, uh, once fall rolls around. Front's looking great actually. And all the flowers are looking good because between my wife and I, one of us will water them every day. It's just the sprinklers, um, for the, the yard are a little bit, uh, a little bit trickier to manage. So, Um, okay. So there, there is your, the, the personal update that nobody asked for. So now it's time for a quick musical update. So, um, I used to have a recurring segment, um, on here that was music of the week. And, uh, the only problem with that is, well, then you've got an obligation to talk about something every week. I don't really want to do that necessarily, but there are a couple things that I wanted to touch on here. So, um, first as of Friday, August 2nd tool is now on all uh, music streaming services, so Spotify, iTunes, etc. And to that I just say, hallelujah. Um, I've been listening to it all chronologically since Friday, and today I will be finishing 10,000 Days, which is their latest release. So I've, I've binge-listened to all of it, and as soon as as uh, as soon as the end of that album rings out, I'm probably going to start right back over with Opiate again. So... Um, I. I I love Tool, and I have... Here, let me just open my desk drawer right here. And the only CDs that I own are these right here. I have Anima, I have Lateralis, I have Undertow, I have 10,000 Days, and I have Opiate. These are the only CDs that I own at this stage. And I only own these CDs. Oh, shit, Opiate is empty. Where is it? Where is the actual CD? Holy crap. Oh, God. That's the problem. Um... They're the only CDs I own because they're the only band that I listen to that hasn't been on streaming services. So, I, you know, the rest of my CDs went away a long time ago. Um, so now, uh, and you know, because they're the only CDs I own, I never listen to them because I don't have a CD player. I mean, I've got a PlayStation, but <laughs> give me a break. Uh, I'm not going to listen to a CD. Uh, I don't have a CD player in my car, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I don't even know. I might. Yeah, I think I do. I think I do actually, um, but I never listened to him in the gym, and so it's it's lovely to be able to actually listen to Tool once again. Thank God. So, um, and that is on the uh, on the heels of their uh, album, their new album coming out at the end of the month. Which, holy crap! Yes, please. Thank you. Um, a couple other things. There's an autobiography that I'm reading right now. And it's um, called The Gospel According to Luke. Um, Luke, in this case, being Steve Lukather. Um, who uh, is best known as the guitarist for Toto. Um, You remember Toto from the 80s, you know, Rosanna, Africa, etc. Yeah, him, Steve Lukather. Lukather is an unbelievable guitarist. I know a lot of people think of Toto and they think like, you know, 80s corporate rock, and he goes into that a little bit, and you you don't want to say that phrase to him. um corporate rock being like oh like safe uh you know very very buttoned up personalities Uh, dude's got a wild side okay i mean he is very much a rock star he really is um but he's an unbelievable guitarist and he really like he made his bones as a session player like going in playing on tracks sight unseen coming up with parts and recording them in one or two takes and being done in an afternoon As opposed to, like, laboring around the studio for months and months and months and months. He's played on so much stuff, and just the stories that he has in this book are phenomenal. I mean, the dude has played with everybody. Um, And, you know, one thing that I would tell people is that um, Toto is the band on Thriller, michael jackson's album thriller that that toto is the band on that yeah i know eddie van halen had the guitar solo on beat it but um and uh all of his cohorts including jeff percaro on drums um they're the ones that laid down all the tracks on that album and then it was michael on top of that so that is that band i mean they're the consummate professionals um unbelievable musicians great stories a really fun anybody who's interested in in like classic rock and eighties rock and uh, the dude is funny as hell. Also, fantastic book. I would recommend it. The Gospel According to Luke by Steve Lukather. Um, really, really good stuff. One other thing that I want to throw out there very quickly um, is uh, so the, the, it's not in my heavy rotation right now, but uh, it, it it really was for quite a while, <laughs> and it, it's coming back soon again. Um, I've always been a fan of Avenged Sevenfold. Um, I think they're um, they're a metal group that has become popular, and as such, now it's easy for them to be derided um, in a lot of circles. But I think that's undeserved. Uh, I think musically, they're uh, just a phenomenal band, absolutely incredible. And I got to tell you, their, their latest album, which isn't all that current right now. I mean, when uh, when did this come out? Actually, it was it's been a couple years now, I think. Um, come on, Google, don't fail me now. Uh, yeah, October 2016. It's coming up on three years, actually. It's but it's their latest album. Um, is for my money, and somebody can please chime in if you feel differently on this. I think it's probably the best hard rock slash metal album put out since 2000. Um, it is absolutely phenomenal. Top to bottom, the writing, the performances, everything. Um, it is so good. It is so good. I mean, they're they're so tight. Um the, the new drummer that they brought in with this album, Brooks Wackerman, who's formerly of uh, what was it, bad religion, I think. Um, he is an absolute force of nature. I mean, he's so good. I mean, the the parts are so tasty. There's they're complex when they need to be, they're simple when they need to be, um, and just he brings a real level of aggression. The guitar playing is is crazy, and Shadows on vocals, I mean, this is easily the best he's sounded. I mean, he's his range actually seems to be improving as he gets older. Um, the quality of his voice is improving. His pitch accuracy is phenomenal. I mean, the guy's can all just flat-out write also. Um, it's really, really well-done album, start to finish, pretty much every track. Um, there's nothing on there that's a throwaway. Really good. So if you haven't checked it out and you're a fan of you know, rock on the harder side, are, are they metal? Yeah, they're, they're metal a little bit, but they're not crazy or anything like that. I mean, it's not death metal or anything. So... Um, but if if you're a fan of that and haven't checked this out yet, do it um, because it is it is really, really good. So there, there's your music update for the week. So now let, let's continue on this same vein and just wrap up with some TV really quick. I appreciate you all indulging me here. So we talked about The Boys previously, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm lukewarm on that. I'm not excited to try it. If enough people want to swing me, feel free. Um, we caught up last night on... Uh, The Handmaid's Tale, um, which we were a couple episodes behind, now we are caught up, so that's on Hulu. Um, If you are not familiar, um, it tells a, I don't even know if I would call it a a story in the future, but it's more like an alternate version of now, um, where the uh, American government has been overthrown by religious fanatics, basically. Um, And then what happens from that oh, and also this is in the midst of a worldwide fertility crisis. So, um I believe that was actually the impetus for the overthrow, but um and, and it really just explores I I wish they would spend a little bit more time exploring exactly what happens in that world, but instead they focus on a few key characters and how it affects them. And that's fine. Um but whenever they start talking about the world at large, that's when I really start to get interested in it. Um and they don't do enough of that for for my take, but um the uh, the interesting thing about this show, th- this is a show that would be an absolute dream to, to land as an actor um, because of the way it's shot. And when, one thing that you'll notice when you watch this show is that like no other show, they linger on faces for a long time that are doing nothing. Just people looking towards the camera or away from the camera, but you're just getting a good look at their face and seeing how they are reacting to things that are unfolding around them. And you can see their thought process in their head. Um, for an actor, I can only imagine that this is just a goldmine of opportunity to be able to, to, to go back to, because it's, it's week after week. It is what I would say the, the primary MO of the show is the, the long shots that are just close-ups on faces, um, like that—that that is, I would say, the style of the show, the the visual style of the show. There's a lot of cool things about it. Um, there's a lot of really depressing things about it. it I, I would say—it is not a bingeable show, just because you watch enough of those and you're going to start to get real depressed. <laughs> and it's, and it's like, oh god. Uh, I mean, it's it's a downer. There there are very few positives on that show. Very few. Um, it's one of those shows that kind of beats you into submission and then likes to keep you there, keep its foot on your throat. And not let up, uh, but just the 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 face work that they do with with the camera, and then also the way every actor who gets that opportunity is able to sell it is just so good because it's all it's it's often very subtle stuff, and it's a wide range of emotions. It's like you know confusion, despondence, um, sometimes a little bit of hope. Sometimes you see somebody getting an idea. Sometimes you just see them understanding the gravity of their situation coming down on them and just seeing those subtle changes in their faces over like a a long 10, 12, 15 second take, which feels like an eternity when you're watching It's just so cool. It is such a cool style for that show. I really, really dig it. Um, We have also started watching um, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, um, which was, uh, I think, um, what was that? Was that on FX originally? Um, I don't know. It was like the uh, American Crime Story season two, something like that. Uh, and that there, there was the, uh, the season one was the, the people versus OJ Simpson, I believe I might be getting some of the names wrong. Cause I know there were two OJ things that came out around the same time, but one of them was season one of this. And then, uh, so what it is, it's not a documentary, but it's, it's a, a recreation, a fictionalized recreation, um, of, of his assassination and the events leading up to it. And then the, the aftermath of it. So we're only, I think about four episodes in right now. And I think there's a total of 10. It's interesting, um, they they have a a mechanism in the show where they really play around with time periods. Like, oh, it's present time, and part of it is, you know, he. I'm I'm gonna get some of these dates wrong, but I think he was killed in July of 1997. And so, there's a title card on the screen. There's you know, July 97. Okay, they show him getting shot. Oh, spoiler alert! Yeah, sorry, but think that the title pretty much spoiled that um and then you know there's there's some exposition 10 minutes later there's a title card that says may 1997 unless you're paying attention there's nothing that cues you into like oh that was just two months prior um and then it'll go back and be like 1990 and you see some older thing but the problem is um the the narrative of the show that jumps around a lot like that and then it will stay in a space like that like instead of saying, okay, well, this this story is largely told around the time when he was killed. It's like, well, yeah, except then we're going back seven years and we're going to stay there for 75% of an episode. It's like, oh God, okay, why do I care about this? I'm assuming that I'm learning something here, but I'm not really sure what. Okay, uh, you know, it can be a little frustrating at times, but the performances are really interesting. Um, the... Uh, the likeness that so many of these people bear to their real-life counterparts is pretty phenomenal, actually. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, performances are cool. Uh, the, the writing is interesting in that a lot of these things are obviously totally fictionalized. Like, okay, there's an entire scene that takes about 20 minutes. It's, it's a, like a 20-minute song and dance conversation number between two people who both died. And there were no other witnesses present, and they, they never talked about what happened during this encounter. So the whole thing is invented by the screenwriters, which, okay, I get that. It's artistic license. You can do that. You can tell a compelling story that way, but I'm not sure it really fits with the, the intended mechanism of the show, which is to tell us things that happened and, and kind of show us through acting what happened? Um, and instead, you're just making stuff up. Like, well, it might have gone something like this. You know, based on the stuff that we know, their conversation might have played out something like this. Yeah, it might have, but why don't you just skip that and focus on what you do know? It's a really hard, hard um, decision to make, I think, as a showrunner, probably, but nonetheless. So, whew, okay. I have gone on for 56, almost 57 minutes, and I haven't even taken a break. So I'm done. I'm out. So clearly, uh, Summer's here. And the time is right for dancing in the streets, as I said before. So we're back, baby. So episode one, what is it, 33, I guess, in the books. I appreciate you hanging out and listening to me here. Um, I'll be back on Friday. And uh, once again, the phone lines are open. 865-518-2974. Call in. Leave a message. Let's figure out what it is that you want to talk about. And in the meantime, tell your friends Share this on social media. Write a review. If you're listening to this through some um, podcasting platform like um, Apple Podcasts or something like that that allows you to write a review, do it, and uh, I will be forever grateful. In the meantime, everybody have a great week. I'll check in with you again on for what is it? Uh, Friday? Yes, Friday, the end of the week. Friday, we'll be back here again.